0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gents. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Wednesday afternoon here in Peg City. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus. And, uh, oh, we got a great show for you coming up. NHL trade deadline coming up on Monday. What a great day to have TSN's insider Frank Saravelli join us. We'll discuss the latest on his trade bait board, some of the teams that intrigue him the most, and find out what he's hearing from Jetland as far as uh, Kevin Dayoff's quest to uh, maybe bolster the Winnipeg Jet Blue Line heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Lots of scuttlebutt about the Canadian Football League and, of course, the Jets heading to Montreal to take on the Habs. We will go to Montreal and hook up with our good friend Mo Khan, who uh, joined us regularly back on Pembina Highway. Mo working with TSN 690 um, and doing so many other things in the Montreal market. Love talking to Mo. He'll join us coming up at about 140. And then to finish off our Masters previews, we get to some final picks with... Jeff Feinberg coming up at uh, 2 o'clock today on the program. So lots to get to um, and lots to discuss right off the top. Let's welcome in Michael Remus to the program. And as always, thank our great sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake. Remo, what's going on? How are you today,
2: my friend? Doing great, Huss. Uh, feeling good. Weather's good. I'm wearing uh, wearing the Nikes outside. So uh, all, everything's great. We got a uh, great weekend. We just looked at uh, the Jets' schedule. Great weekend of 6 p.m. starts. If you didn't like the 9 p.m. starts, well, you're in luck. bunch of, what, like five straight games starting at 6 p.m.? Great. Great time if uh, you're into the 6 p.m. starts. But we did have some, we actually had some Jets news. You know, I talked yesterday how everything's great. The lineup hasn't really changed. The team's playing well. Nothing to be upset about. Uh but we were dealt a bit of a bit a bit of a I don't want to say breaking news but yeah we had some news right before we went on the air about the Jets captain.
1: Yeah, Blake Wheeler uh not going with the club on the trip out to Montreal out east and as Michael mentioned 5 games beginning tomorrow night out east uh Montreal, Ottawa and Toronto and from Paul Maurice today it sounds like you know they're considering him out indefinitely until more is known um he will not travel with the Jets out east Paul Maurice says they're investigating a possible concussion um and that is, is concerning and i you know i've been hitting my head every time we talk about this trying to touch wood uh and i'm not sure whether it's the lack of travel or the 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 schedule or what it is but you know the Jets and many other teams this year um have seemed to be quite fortunate when it comes to injuries. And the Jets have been that. Um, Maurice talked about talking with the lights of Jansen Harkins, uh, Sammy Neku in a practice earlier this week, telling the guys to hang in there in that, you know, in a normal year, you would have thought that there would have been some opportunity just through attrition to get these guys in the lineup. And that really hasn't been the case. Um, But I'll tell you what, Remus, I mean, if you talk about players in the Winnipeg Jet lineup, um, you know, certainly based on history, The least likely guy to be out of the lineup is Captain Blake Wheeler. Um, I mean, he is the Ironman of the Winnipeg Jets and probably would be the NHL Ironman if they didn't go back to that 2017-18 season and sit Wheeler out in the final game of the season because the team had clinched the playoffs. By my count, Blake Wheeler has not missed a game due to injury since the 2014-2015 season when he missed three games And he also missed two games in the initial year, 11-12. So that's over the course of 10 years. That's missing six games. And one of them was, you know, a healthy scratch to rest him up for the playoffs. So, I mean, if there's been one consistent piece in this lineup, literally since day one, it's number 26, the guy wearing the C. Uh, And, you know, I know there was a lot of talk about Wheeler playing hurt at the beginning of the season. I think it was quite obvious that he was. Um, But you look at the impact he had right off the start of the game last week and some bit, some grit quality starts in important games for the Jets really led by Wheeler. Um, This is bad news for the Winnipeg Jets, to say the least. Um, listen, for Jensen Harkins, it's great. And we'll talk about the lines and the way things looked at practice in a minute. But we're already seeing people in the chat, people tweeting us even more angry about the BS hit that Brady Kachuk put on Blake Wheeler in the Ottawa game earlier this week. A lot of people don't like those reverse hits to begin with, but and I thought you described it quite well uh, in the tweet just a few minutes ago, Remus. That was something that we might see in Tampa at WrestleMania on Sunday. Certainly doesn't belong in hockey. It was a cheap hit. He got the elbow up. You saw the, the jersey burn on Wheeler's, um, uh, the cheek of his face, and now apparently there's some uh, some concern as to, the captain's status going forward. So certainly not good news for the Winnipeg Jets. They had out. Uh, The one, I guess, comforting thing is the team has all, for all intents and purposes, got a playoff spot wrapped up. So if there was ever a time in Blake Wheeler's career when maybe a little bit of rest could really help him, um, they know he's going to be a big important piece for them coming up in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, hold on. Uh, sorry. I'm reading uh, reading the chat here. Yeah. And I mentioned that on Twitter. I posted the video of the hit on my Twitter account, M Remus. It's, uh, if you don't know how to spell it, it's under my name here on the YouTube channel. But, uh, yeah, looks like a flying elbow. I don't know who pulls that. I think Razor Ramon used to pull that off all the time. Do an Irish whip, come out with the, uh, with the flying elbow. And and Kevin Swear talked about it on the broadcast. These quote reverse hits. Like if you're going to do it, if your guys coming towards you, I mean, don't, don't be afraid. Just brace yourself and, you know, give a little pushback. This is Brady Kachuk not even looking at where he's going and just flailing his body around. Very dangerous play. Cracks Blake Wheeler in the face. Totally unnecessary. And it's not like Blake Wheeler is a guy who's going to come and, uh, and crush him. Although I did a quick Google search or a quick Twitter search. Uh, Wheeler's fought both of the Kachucks, Brady and Matthew, in the past year. He fought Brady last year in February. Now, that's uh, over a year ago, I-, I guess now. And Matthew in August in the playoffs after uh, he took out Mark Scheifele. I don't know if there's going to be any retaliation or anything. Someone was asking about it in chat. I said, look, you know, you don't want to play into the Kachucks' game. They're trying to get under your skin. Just go on the power play and score some goals. And the Jets beat down on Ottawa. But uh, I think you're maybe circle... The calendar, you know, on this upcoming road trip when the Jets go up against Ottawa because, and I don't know, I tweeted, i like, is player safety going to look at this? Maybe they didn't before, but now that Wheeler's out with a concussion, it's clearly a hit to the head. It's clearly, I don't think that's a hockey play, a flying elbow like that. As I said, it's a UFC move or, or uh, world, re- or, uh, you know, professional wrestling. And I got the belt, uh, back here for that it is wrestlemania week yeah, maybe is. brady
1: was getting a little too into the uh into the excitement before the th-
2: two-night event in tampa saturday sunday yeah i i i think so but i don't think that i we know players safety how inconsistent they are, so i'm not expecting them to now look at it but maybe they should maybe there should be some kind of league rule because a lot of people are doing these type of hits and people are getting hurt from them
1: yeah well i wouldn't say a lot of people are doing it Sorry. it's more the rats of the league that are doing it but um it's funny that Two of the guys that do that have the same last name, and one is Brady and one is Matthew, the uh, the Kachuk brothers. Now, uh, listen, I, I I mean I I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, because um, but to, to me this is not just any player. I mean Blake Wheeler, as I just kind of laid out, does not miss games. Um, he simply is a guy that is there night in and night out, leading the way for the Winnipeg Jets and. I know some people are saying, oh, geez, they've had a lot of even five, five and five goals scored against them. And, hey, there's no doubt about it. This team needs to be better. And I think they've been trending better. And certainly the way Wheeler played. I mean, ask Pierre-Luc Dubois if he thought it was important that Blake Wheeler was in the game on uh, on the, against Ottawa. He'll tell you. Um, so, listen, Wheeler playing healthy and playing at his best is important for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, the one silver lining of this, as I mentioned, the fact that the Jets have earned themselves a position where they're comfortably in a playoff spot. Calgary is dead. Vancouver is, well, obviously dealing. I don't want to make a joke like that with Vancouver because of what they're dealing with right now with COVID. But um, it's not happening for the Canucks. And Needless to say, the Ottawa Senators won't be a playoff team. So in a lot of ways, both for the head coach and the general manager, they're essentially looking at these next, what is it, 17 games to get this team ready, primed, and at their best come playoff time. And, you know, if that means Blake Wheeler's going to miss a couple weeks, or, well, hopefully that would be it, um, you know, I think they'll do that. And listen, it's a great opportunity for Jansen Harkins to finally get into the lineup, Remus. And, you know, as as unfortunate it is when you have your captain get hurt, um, there are other guys that will get the opportunity to step up. In this case, again, it's Andrew Kopp who'll move up to that second line. And for Jansen Harkins, who's been out of the lineup, patiently waiting his opportunity to get back in, um, you know he'll have a lot of energy in that game tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens uh, when he'll be on that line with Thompson and Lewis. So here's the way things look. Connor, Scheifele, and Ealers will be the Jets' top line. Although Maurice said he still may yet play with these. I guess we can't say that this is... I, I think it's a safe bet that things will start this way. We'll see how things go. Um, and then Paul Stasny, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Andrew Kopp on the second line. Matthew Perreault certainly, I think, has earned with his play of the last couple months the chance to move up to play with Lowry and Appleton. Don't think that line will miss a beat very much. Um, and then it's Jansen Harkins that gets in with Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis. Um, and, you know, I, I, for one, we talked a lot about Jansen Harkins and the way he, I thought, let everybody know that he was an NHL player last year. And the Jets would tell you the same thing. Um, it's just that it's been a very busy Um, Oh, it's been a very healthy lineup and one that, you know, it's been tough to crack right now. So we'll see what Jansen Harkins can do tomorrow in Montreal and foreseeably for the next little while with Blake Wheeler on the shelf. Um, But I'm already feeling the vitriol from Jets fans about this hit. People were mad enough that it happened, but it didn't look like it was too big of a deal. You can get over it. But when all of a sudden your captain's out, potentially for an extended period of time with the uncertainty of a concussion, uh, I'm sure the fans are probably echoing the feeling of the organization right now, not happy at all that the captain has been injured thanks to that hit.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you have to be livid. And it's funny how the same stuff keeps happening with the same guys. Uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk with the hit on Shifley, you know, skate clips clubs the, uh, the foot, intentional or not. Uh, and then Brady, again, going for, I guess he sees Wheeler coming, Wheeler tries to get out of the way. Brady's not even looking. He's, you know, going. He's just flying, in his body all He's like whoa, and uh, clips him, clips him in the in the face. He's got a cut immediately. Uh, he did play a bit after, so maybe uh, you know the next day wasn't feeling great, and now he's out. And you know we talked about Blake Wheeler how he uh, how he's doesn't miss a game. I mean, it's not like he's never been had a close call. I mean. Uh, it was mentioned in chat. Uh, you know, he went, you know, what body first into a post one time was totally fine. He's had a puck in the throat and barely missed any time. Hey, man, uh, I was in yeah. Dallas.
1: I yeah. was in uh, Dallas yeah, in that game.
2: What five years ago?
1: He almost got impaled on the bench, and you know, from the press box watching that scene, I mean, I was concerned like like seriously concerned for his well-being, not just like, oh, can he finish the game? Can he play going forward? But, I mean, it looked like a devastating injury. The Jets were, you know, hanging on their last hopes of playoff spot, and then, you know, two minutes later, Blake Wheeler's back out there. So um, if there's one thing that he's shown, he'll put it all on the line for the hockey club, and... Um, you know, the fact that he's not in there, I think, speaks more than if it was just, you know, somebody else that they were holding out for a little bit um, because of the fact that he really has been the Iron Man of this franchise going on 10 years. Um, great to see everybody in the chat right now fired up early and people ready to go with all this news about Blake Wheeler. Uh, the Godfather, Mitch, is here. I'm old school, all caps. Guys do this because there is no accountability or fear of retaliation. I'm not talking about Wheeler fighting him. He needs to answer to a Lowry or a Stanley. Um, Knowing Paul Maurice and knowing the way the Winnipeg Jets feel about their captain Remus, I would be shocked if that did not happen considering what we've learned today when these two teams get back together in Ottawa um, coming up next Monday.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of you know past times where jets have stood up after a dirty hit. I do remember Wheeler fighting Malkin uh, at MTS Center after Malkin, uh, you know, get, you know, knocked Wheeler out with a big hit. Wheeler fought, uh, as I said, that was an check. amazing that that the Wheeler Malkin uh, mm-hmm. fight. And again, I think most people that have heard me for a long time,
1: I'm not a big fighting guy. I. I you know, listen, I understand that it happens sometimes. I hate the the scripted, you know, the the enforcers deciding that they're gonna, you know, go and do it. But that one was um it was just an incredible feeling in the building. I mean, you know, it was different than a lot of other ones when you have two sort of star players like that. And listen, I respect Wheeler's toughness. I don't think he's really a great fighter. And he's too important to the team to be doing that. And you know, I just it goes back to the situation the Jets were in in the bubble when he played, and you know, when he ended up fighting Matthew Kachuk. and you know, to be honest, not doing particularly well. That you know, if you're gonna have guys gonna getting retribution or retaliation. Do it with your best fighters, <laughs> the guys that can actually do that. And that I think is what Mitch is getting to with a guy like Adam Lowry, who you know has fought Ryan Reeves, has stepped up against some of the bigger dudes, and of course Logan Stanley, who had his first scrap earlier, um, I guess last month. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was another one or two in his future, potentially against Brady Kachuk coming up in Ottawa.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Will it be Logan Stanley? Will it be Adam Lowry? Uh, Wheeler has stood up in in the past. Uh, I some, I think something's gonna happen. I'm not sure what. I mean. Hopefully, I know it is kind. Of, it's sometimes you know, Hus, It is kind of crazy to me that fighting is still allowed in the NHL. I mean, when you have like a mismatch, like you know, Logan Stanley against Brady Kachuk, like would that fight even be allowed? Like uh, two guys not even in the same weight class in a sanctioned UFC, and you have this bare knuckle <laughs> hockey fighting. It just seems ridiculous. And look, sometimes I'm there. I'm I'm enjoying it. But at the same time, you do have to look back and be like, this is the only sport that does it. It is kind of insane.
1: Well, it is. um, But again, you know, at times there is uh, there's a a level of um, and it's just sort of ingrained in the game. What can you Mm. say? Something happens. There is an element of retaliation and retribution that is inherent to hockey. Mm. And and I think the leagues have done a good job with getting a lot of the the nonsense out of the game. And for the most part, you're seeing, you know, real legitimate emotion creating these events. I mean, I've said for a long time I'd have no problem with fighting was just a game misconduct. If you really want to fight that badly, you know, do it, but you're probably not coming back to the game. But listen, that's not even a conversation. That won't be happening going forward. And we have seen fighting up considerably this year. And to me, Reem, the biggest reason for that, of course, is the schedule. I mean, with the familiarity of these teams, they say familiarity breeds contempt. When you're playing teams two, three, and four times in a row, it is like a little mini playoff series. You get these anger rivalries, and you get the opportunity to get guys back very quickly as opposed to having to sit on something for a long time. So maybe I think that's all played into it. It's not like the Jets have been thrown down all year long. They have had a few scraps but I have a feeling this is a little different. If Blake Wheeler's out for any extended period of time due to what's perceived as a cheap shot by Brady Kachuk, best believe somebody on the Winnipeg Jets will be knocking on his door.
2: Oh, yeah. We've seen that in the past from them. Uh, and they have their team has tremendous respect for Blake Wheeler. He's been uh, a Jet you know, since day one of the franchise. I saw someone in chat saying, where does Wheeler rank all-time among Jets? That's 1.0 and 2.0. And you look at the points leaders... Uh, and games played well he's definitely up there i mean he's the captain means a lot to the city um you know spends his time here uh you know he's got uh, kids that go to school here as well so big part of the community uh so i think someone will stand up for him i wonder how it's going to go down but it's definitely uh, definitely warranted here
1: yeah I, lots but- of people commenting in on the chat on this marshall patterson what up marsh uh, nate thompson mark my words will deal with brady and uh hey todd for tanny what's going on todd Wheeler only fights because of his heart and character, not his role, but he does it. I agreed with that. Mad respect for the captain. I mean, yeah, you have to respect, people, you know, someone doing it. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, Wheeler is probably best. And, and again, this isn't really about Wheeler fighting because he was just the victim of a cheap shot. But he has been a guy that in the past has been the one to stand up. Um, sort of leading the way. I don't think that is needed anymore with the makeup of this roster of the Winnipeg Jets right now. Um, you know, of course, all this talk about Jets in Ottawa, the Jets are going to be playing against Montreal Ream. We're going to talk to Mocon in Montreal a little bit later on in the program about this. Um, and the Habs, for their part, have their own injury issues. Sounds like Jake Allen's going to be the guy for these back-to-back games um, coming up with Carey Price out. But the big news, Brandon Gallagher could be out up to six weeks for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, again, if you're going to have a bad injury or you're going to have something like this, if you're one of these top four teams, in some ways, maybe it's more fortuitous to have it happen now because you want players like Gallagher and Wheeler to be there ready for the playoffs although you know what looking at the calendar if gallagher is going to be out a full 6 weeks that in all likelihood will take them into the first round of the playoffs despite the fact that montreal is safe and you know probably will candidly make the make the postseason you know without having brendan gallagher but some interesting things going on with the habs and you know, for the Jets side, this is really the first significant injury we've talked about. And uh, listen, I don't want to demean Nate Boulieu because he was a regular under Paul Maurice going there, but I think we knew there were some other guys battling. And you know, in the big picture, your six defensemen isn't quite the same as your captain, a power play cog, and a guy that's consistently consistently playing in the top six. Um, but the Jets will deal that. Jansen Harkins gets the opportunity. But for Montreal, um, it's a, probably a good thing that the urgency isn't quite there for the Habs either or the Jets really needing these points to make the playoffs as much as they would absolutely love to get in and uh, really press the Toronto Maple Leafs for that top spot in the North.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, reading a tweet from Darren Haynes, who we had on from Calgary before, and he was just saying how unbelievable it is that Calgary is totally out of it, and there's so much, so many games left. So yeah, the, I think the playoffs in the North definitely said. The Jets, they did tinker with some new lines without Wheeler at practice today. Connor, Shifley, Ehlers staying together. Stasny still on the left with Dubois in the middle. Andrew Kopp is the one who moves up. Matthew Perot then moves up to play with... Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And I think Matthew Prose, he deserves that additional ice time. He's been excellent in his fourth-line role. And then Jansen Harkins comes in, playing with Thompson and Lewis. And those guys, I think, have been solid, too. And I kind of like having the young guy, Harkins, with the two veterans. And Christian Veselainen was recalled from the Moose to the taxi squad. So he's available if needed.
1: Excellent. Well, in the, uh, you know, outside of all this talk of the day with Blake Wheeler's injury and not traveling with the team, of course, there's the trade deadline coming up and, uh, I mean, why don't you fire a tweet out that Frank is just about good to go. I'll quickly mention, shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ and everybody that took advantage of uh, Nick's generous offer on that buy one, get one blizzards after the Jets win. Had a lot of great tweets from our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners supporting DQ uh, at Niver- DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and of course the flagship at DQ Northgate. And a big thanks to Royal Sports. Of course, we... Uh, we- not too sure how much longer everything's going to be open, if we know what's going on in some of the other provinces around the country. Uh, But we certainly will be spending Mm -hmm. a lot of time outside. And if you want to get ready for spring and for summer, Royals got you covered. Soccer, baseball, running gear, bikes coming in daily, despite a real worldwide bicycle shortage. Um, And I'm going to start playing disc golf. They've got incredible incredible um selection of disc golf stuff. We may even have a Winnipeg Sports Talk open at some point. But anyways, get ready for Spring Pop-by and see our great sponsors at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, 650 in EK. All right, I've uh, been looking forward to this all week. Uh, you know him well, our good friend TSN Hockey Insider Frank Saravelli's been working the trade bait board. And getting ready for Monday, Frank. Great to see you. Hey, before we even talk about all the important things on the docket, love to see you got the green shirt on right now, um, man. Uh, just a, a sad day yesterday. We always think back to that incredible tragedy in Humboldt. That I mean, you, you, thinking back, man. You spent a lot of time there, if I'm not mistaken. You and Rashog working on uh, all of the aftermath of uh, one of the one of the worst tragedies in Canadian history.
3: Yeah, I did. And um, yeah, I'm glad to wear the green shirt day. I'm actually going to pull the mic back just so everyone can see it. Um, just a, an incredible outpouring of support for the Boulet family, the Logan Boulay effect, really proud to wear the green shirt today as we urge everyone to sign their organ donor card and get out there and get on the list. If you pass away, you don't need your organs anymore. So uh, get them to someone who does. And that's the point. Logan Boulay did an incredible job with that. Still, um, you know, hits me right in my core when you think about the fact that he had just signed his card uh, just a couple weeks before the accident. And you're right. You know, the anniversary passing yesterday, I just I actually didn't even tweet about it because I, I just, you know, I don't know that I can find the right words. And it's weird because you don't even necessarily look at the calendar. But having, you know, been there maybe 12 hours after the accident, um, you know, you start to get a little bit of a pit in your stomach as the calendar gets to like mid-March and you start to inch closer. Honestly, didn't even know that, you know, April was coming. Obviously you have an idea, but it, uh, it never leaves you. I'll tell you that. And I think about those kids and those families, just some of the most incredible people you'd ever want to meet.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did hear, I mean, that sounds like the tribute and the legacy mm-hmm. of that team and everyone both that was lost or that you know was in the accident that will be forever linked to the Humboldt broncos will be memorialized in something that will you know that will live forever in that community um but i imagine frank i mean in your career i mean you've covered some incredible stories been all around the world doing this that must stand out um you know it just in a whole nother level of 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 stories you know both from a from a journalistic perspective but also from a human perspective because it was I mean it didn't matter where you were but especially being in and around in Humboldt being that close to it um it affects you
3: and it stays with you as you mentioned it does and you never really forget the names and faces and the people that you met um you know the number one lesson or first thing they teach you in journalism school is you know don't get too close to the people that you're covering remain impartial and I think the thing that really struck me, there's so many things, but one is just, you know, long after we were leaving, you know, with our coverage, you know, all these TV camera trucks to send into, into Humboldt and, you know, after five, we, you know, five days, seven days, 10 days, they kind of all start to peel out and these people these incredible people in that community are left to pick up the pieces. And so like, that's one of the first things, you know, you think about is, you know, you come into their, their town, their community as a stranger. And instead of like this, you know, icy glare that I was kind of expecting to get, you know, covering this unspeakable story, they were so like welcoming and it, you know, that just kind of added to it. Um, and I think kind of if there is a nice thing, um, I've been able to stay in touch with some people there. You know, I talked to their assistant coach, Chris Bodry. I don't think a week or two goes by that, you know, he's, you know, one of us isn't firing off a text to the other uh, or getting on the phone and connecting. And then, you know, I had a chance to go back, um, at the one year anniversary and went to Allen Saskatchewan to see, uh, the family of their captain Logan shots and, and sit at their kitchen table for a few hours with them talking about their son, you know, long after we've left and long after we've covered this story, these people are carrying that with them for the rest of their lives. And that's something that you can't, you can't really fully comprehend and wrap your brain around as much as you try.
1: Frank Saravelli, TSN Insider, is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Frank, let's move on to the trade bait board. I know it's been keeping you very busy this last little while. Um, Listen, our viewers, first and foremost, concerned about the Winnipeg Jets. We know that there has been interest on adding to the blue line. What can you tell us about what you're hearing regarding what Kevin Sheveldayoff is up to, as well as the market for defensemen with teams like Nashville going on a bit of a run and getting right back into the playoffs? We talked a lot about Ekholm. Is he even still on the market?
3: Yeah, I, I don't really get the sense that he is. I mean, he's still on our trade bait board because you you can never say never. And I do think that David Poyle is going to be listening right until the end. And if someone can knock his socks off with an offer that makes sense, uh, obviously he's going to be traded. Um, but this, you know, the Preds have thrown a wrench into the deadline. The Arizona Coyotes have as well. They were a team that was going to be a seller uh, Alex Goligosky wondered about their goaltending. People were questioning Connor Garland uh, with the Preds. It's also Mikael Grandlin in addition to Ekholm. I think people were curious about a center in Eric Halla, And so, you know, those teams have kind of pulled back at this point, and they're they're neutral. They're not really buyers or sellers, and there's a large collection of those teams this year, Huss, uh, that's made this deadline difficult in addition to all the other Issues that are in play, um, whether it's cap limitations, financial internal budget limitations, uh, you know, limited financial incentive to win an extra round this year because fans aren't in the building. You know, that's normally a big thing. You know, if you can sell to your owner, hey, I can make this trade and we can win an extra round, maybe get us closer to a Stanley Cup. Well, that's eight, ten million dollars in the bank that means something to your owner, and that just doesn't exist this year, and so. I've written about all those factors plus the expansion draft. I mean, like, that's what made Eckholm a a tougher ad for a team like the Jets because then you have to protect him in the expansion draft. And by the way, before I forget, I do want to mention this too. Um, You know, obviously not at the expense of Blake Wheeler, but I've been tracking the Jets and their expansion draft. Like, it's going to make a lot of sense for them to get Jansen Harkin in Jansen Harkins in as many games as they can down the stretch. He's got 10 more games to play this season in the final 17 in order to be eligible as a player exposed by the jets this off season. And so that's something that they have to keep in the back of their mind as well. Um, it's not just protection, but it's also how, you know, you need to get to your two <laughs> forwards to expose and Harkins would make some sense there. So, um, you know, that's something to watch and that's been another complicating factor. But yeah, I mean the Jets are scouring the market on defense. Um, you know, I've long believed that they've been interested in David Savard and he would be the perfect fit. I mentioned that when I was on with you a few weeks ago to help kick off the show. And I do think the Jets have done some other work though, as they're waiting for the prices to come down. Uh, my colleagues on insider trading mentioned yesterday uh, the idea of Josh Manson. Now I think he's another guy who would be a tremendous fit, um, but I, you know, he also has his ten-team no-trade list, and I believe the Winnipeg Jets are on that list. So that'd be another yet another hurdle as the Jets try and find a, a solution to add to their top four. Frank, as far as the landscape of the market right now, you talked
1: about GMs being patient and wanting to you know, maybe see the prices come down. I've got to ask you, is the value, how would you compare the value, perceived value of a number one pick this year in the midst of this strange year with so little junior hockey being played to a number one pick two years ago at normal times?
3: Well, I, I think the value is still there. Um, the scouts, even though the pandemic hit, never stopped doing their work. They went to dive in and and, and deep on the video. And so that's, The scouts, if you talk to them in different scouting departments, they're ready and they feel confident. It's the GMs who are ultimately tasked and are the guys hanging their hat on these picks as part of their career that are a little bit more leery. And so I I think that teams are are treating first-round picks in the same uh, manner and same fashion. They hold the same value. But I think what's different this year is that when you talk about prices – what seems to have remained is, and I'll tell you what, agents have struggled with this as well in terms of properly valuing their players. It seems like GMs have struggled saying, well, hey, historically, the price at the trade deadline you know, for a top four defenseman was a first-round pick, a player, and a prospect, whatever the formula is. They're sticking largely, my understanding is, to that same formula, that the prices are so incredibly high at this point that a lot of teams are saying, this doesn't really make a lot of sense for us for a lot of the reasons I outline. Plus the fact that you in a shortened season, you get the player for a shorter period of time and have a chance to get him and and make an impact and get comfortable um, for less time. So, you know, one GM explained it to me this way, they're asking me to pay full freight for what amounts to a half tank of gas. And I believe, and I think teams like the jets, And the Maple Leafs and other firm buyers in a year where there's not very many buyers, that the prices have to change between now and Monday just as a market effect. If not, these teams are left holding the bag for players that they're largely not going to be keeping anyway.
1: Frank Saravelli with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Taylor Hall's being held out. Kyle Palmieri's being held out, specifically with Hall. Um, 8 million bucks. They may have to eat some salary, but Definitely I, guess the, gonna have to. I, I guess the question of this Almost. is Frank. Um, he could not have had a more miserable season this year. He's got, he scored four minutes into the season. He's got mm-hmm. one goal since the team has been a historic train wreck. What's the value of Taylor hall right now? And how much can what he did in the past, maybe resurface with
3: a new team? D- does Buffalo get a first round pick for Taylor hall? I don't think they do. Um, you know, certainly not with the gymnastics that are potentially involved with the salary cap and the sabres having to retain. Um, you know, maybe that's what pushes it over the edge is if you can get Buffalo to eat as much and, you know, potentially um bring a third party into the mix if you really need it. But I just don't see it for the reasons you mentioned. I think he's a guy that is dining out on that heart trophy experience, but I, I will caution any sort of definitive answer I have with there's such a stench in with the Sabres right now that I think it's really difficult to properly analyze the seasons that these guys have had. You know, I, I go up and down their lineup and I know he's, he's struggled a little bit of late, but you know, Colin Miller, I think could help a team on their back end and, and Brandon Montour, like, you know, Brandon Montour was looked at as a really good player when he was in Anaheim on a young defense core. And all of a sudden he gets to Buffalo and it's like, he forgot how to play. And so I wonder about some team effects there with some of the players that they have. And so I do admit that it's difficult to properly judge Taylor Hall, but I didn't see it in the season following the Hart Trophy. I didn't see it in Arizona and I certainly haven't seen it in Buffalo. So I think there's a longer track record to suggest that, you know, he had one really extraordinary season. He's been in the top 10 a few times previously when he played with the Oilers in terms of points. But other than that, Um, he's sort of more in that 50 to 60, 60 to 70 point range, not really near a point per game producer that, you know, he might've been chalked up to be.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a whole nother conversation as to what happens with he and a bunch of other potential free agents in the summer, but we'll save that for a little ways down the road. Looking at the North division, we touched on the jets pretty much know what we're doing. Kyle Dubas is at is the one team, uh, it's really two North Division teams, Toronto, Winnipeg, at the top of the list of the intriguing teams. What's Toronto looking at, and how active do you think Kyle Dubas will be?
3: Well, they're looking for a left winger that can play on the line with John Tavares, and they're looking for someone who's versatile, that can play up and down the lineup if need be, someone that may even have had a history of playing center at some point, uh, someone that grinds, someone that's going to get pucks and get them to their elite shooters that they have in that group and you know I, I think a guy like Kyle Palmieri would make a lot of sense I know that Mikhail Grandlin made a lot of sense to them from Nashville I, I don't think Taylor Hall makes sense there and fits and you can add in the salary cap constraints that they have that would make that even more difficult I think someone like Scott Lawton could make sense, but I want to throw this at you too, and I know Kyle Dubas mentioned this in his interview with Pierre LeBron in The Athletic the other day, and it's also been, you know, I've heard this elsewhere. What if the Maple Leafs edition this year is Alex Galchenyuk? As crazy as that sounds, he's actually fit well in that spot. They gave him a chance to take a step back and regroup his game a little bit. He went to the AHL. They worked on a few specific things with him, and he's produced. I mean, he, he's produced at a level that, to be totally honest, isn't that far down point production-wise from what you'd hope to get from a guy like Granlin, and, and he was basically free. So does that mean the Leafs aren't going to do anything? No, I think they're still looking, but it, if push came to shove and the way that this team has played um, over the last couple of weeks, getting things back on track in light of their goalie issues, maybe – You know, there's not that same pressing need that might have existed a few weeks ago.
1: Frank Cervelli, uh, Frank, you know, the Jets and Leafs believe that they're contenders and, you know, will seemingly be aggressive to add to their roster. At the other end of the spectrum, in the North Division, there's the Calgary Flames and – I mean, from my perspective, it is just stunning as to what's happened with that hockey club, especially lately. Um, I think they've won two of their last 10 games right now under Daryl Sutter. Um, They are, for all intents and purposes, eliminated from the playoffs with, like, 20 games left. No one could have imagined that happening, probably especially Brad Trelevic. What are you hearing about Calgary, and has their recent slump maybe moved forward the potential of moving key or key players um, in Calgary, considering that they're pretty much already in next year territory.
3: Yeah, I think you have to consider everything. Um, and I think that Brad Living is willing to do just about anything at this point to shake things up. But I don't think that it means that he's going to be jumping to do it before Monday at three p.m. Like those deals for the Sean Monahan's and Johnny Gaudreau's, like something seems to be rotten with that core that needs to change. And I'm not pointing the finger at either one of those two. It's a whole collective team that something has just seemed off there really kind of from the very beginning of the season. And I I there's no doubt in my mind that change change is coming. It's just that like I said, I don't think we'll see it between now and then. I, I do think that, you know, teams are calling, but I don't think that there's been anything that you know, it's so difficult to pull off a hockey trade for all the reasons we mentioned. You trade for Gaudreau or Monaghan, now you're you're protecting those guys. And what does your protection list already look like? And, you know, I think they're trying to potentially move some of their UFAs. And I I mentioned this in Insider Trading. It's been really quiet on Derek Ryan. Um, I, I haven't heard anything about a guy like Josh Levo, et cetera, some of their lower priced UFAs but I do think they're getting calls and some tire kickers on guys like David Riddick. The goalie market is so fascinating this year, you know, especially with every team carrying three goalies and some of the injuries that have been in play. And so Riddick might make sense somewhere, especially on a contender. And I think he's, if you were to circle a guy on the Calgary roster between now and Monday, he'd be the most likely to go.
1: Frank outside of the North division, what general manager or team intrigues you the most over the course of these next four days?
3: I'd say probably the Carolina Hurricanes. Don Waddell on Trade Center last year was our GM of the day. <laughs> he got his name engraved on the trophy. Uh, he was involved in everything: Brady Shea, Vincent Trocheck, lots of guys that he traded for last year. And he's willing. He's another guy that's willing to do just about anything. Um, and so that team has played as well as anyone. They've gone toe to toe with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're looking for a right shot defenseman and some depth help at forward. And they're, you know, they're willing to shake things up. That's what I love about that management group is they, they're, they're not sitting there saying, Oh, I'm scared about who we might lose or how does this work? Like they're just like, Hey, let's go for it. Our team's here. You know, it doesn't mean we're trading away all of our future assets, but they're not scared. Um, And so I think there's a, a serious sort of safe as death thing that goes on around the NHL Uh, where, you know, it just seems to be a lot of risk aversion around the NHL. And that's one team that excites me because they don't have a lot of that. Um, I think everyone's curious about Tampa in that division. Are they a stealth team to potentially add? Um, And then I'm kind of curious about Colorado in the same fashion, but that team has just been an absolute wagon uh, the way they've played over the last few weeks. And I don't know that they need a whole lot other than maybe some depth and goal. What about Lou in uh, in New York? Um, you know, they've lost Anders
1: Lee. Like, uh, they, they've been uh, amazing. They've lost once in regulation at home all season. Mm-hmm. Shut out the Caps last night. Uh, we've heard Taylor Hall. I'm not sure Taylor Hall fits in in a Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz, but he certainly does bring some offense, which they're missing right now. What are the Islanders up to? Yeah,
3: a lot of people think that Taylor Hall is the guy that that the Islanders are tied to. That, you know, I, I think you know, if, if you're looking from a pure character perspective and you kind of hit that on the head too, about T- Taylor Hall, potentially not fitting in that group with the two people that are running the team. So I've always kind of been curious about Kyle Palmieri and also in Columbus, Nick Felino, two guys that wear letters, uh, that just grind. And, but it does, there does seem to be a connection there between Taylor Hall and the Islanders. And, you know, I think there's also been a connection, you know, potentially between Taylor Hall. You wonder about a team like the Boston Bruins. Are they in on Taylor Hall? Would they be in on Paul Palmieri? So there's a couple of teams that are kind of looking for that same sort of fit.
1: Frank, you are the best, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, what do you have cooking up? Uh, how, how much tinkering will there be on the trade bait board over the next little while? And uh, what do you
3: and the insiders have coming up over the next few
1: days before the <laughs> big day Monday?
3: Well, this is like Super Bowl week for us. You just hope that you know, with all the prep that you do, you don't come out and play like the Chiefs. And hey, whoa, um, hey, e- easy. Um, yeah, so the, there's definitely some tinkering going on. Um, I am going to hang up with you, and I'm going to rework the top ten, include Mike Hoffman to give you a little preview. We'll talk about that tonight on Sports Center and the Senators' second intermission, and then just keep grinding insider trading Thursday and I will be glued to my phone for the rest of the weekend.
1: Well, listen, even if the NHL GMs perform like the chiefs offensive or defensive line, I know you will have a Mahomesian performance ready for all of the viewers right through until 2 PM.
3: Hey, I, I don't make the news. I just report on it. So whatever <laughs> happens happens. So I'm not going to overpromise, but we hope you're watching.
1: Hey pal, thanks so much for doing this. Always love catching up and really appreciate you joining us here in the peg.
3: Thanks, us. Take care. Thanks, Remo.
1: There he is, the one and only Frank Saravelli, great friend of the program. And um, yeah, listen, this is especially right now for Winnipeg fans, I would put Toronto fans in that same group at all. There is an element of interest as to what these general managers will do. I think the pressure on Kyle Dubas – to not only you know first and foremost to win a damn playoff round and make a little make a run um, is significant, and when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, I mean Kevin Chevalier has proven in the past that he is absolutely not adverse to taking a big swing if he thinks this team has the opportunity to really contend for a cup, and I think what his team has done so far is. Basically, earned that opportunity to say, yes, we are ready to do exactly that. So it should be an interesting few days. We thank Frank very much for joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, uh, we're going to get to a little bit of CFL talk and check in on the Habs in Montreal. Um, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you by not Auto Corp, at Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Knot team? They've got a number of Teslas on the lot right now. So many different vehicles. You can find out more on all their selection at Not.ca. They'll consign your vehicle if you'd like with their very successful consignment program to help you make that move. And uh, as I told you and you read in the free press on the weekend, you want to pay in Bitcoin, Trev and the gang will take Bitcoin for the vehicles as well. And, of course, Boston Pizza, uh, Winnipeg, um, right now, call your shot with BP and Molson, any pizza pair, uh, uh, the pizza flights. Or any Molson product, we'll get you an entry for the Call Your Shot promo, uh, Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-made backyard ODR for next year, outdoor rink, or even a VIP NHL experience all on the table. So uh, tonight, tomorrow for the game day, give BP a call. You can do that eating in, taking out, or even for delivery. All right, let's get to it. Our next guest, a longtime friend of myself and Michael Remus, coming to us from Montreal He's um he's the utility man of, of TSN 690 in Montreal and a great friend of the show. He is Mo Kahn. Mo, what is up? It's great to not only talk to you, but see you. Thanks for doing this today.
0: Andrew, thank you so much, man. Congrats on this new project. I, I am confident this is going to go coast to coast, worldwide for you, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. We're having a, f- a lot of fun doing it here and focusing on our Winnipeg teams. And listen, you know what a, a great cfl market this is and, you know we'll ask about the have before we finish but you know you had some interesting i know you've been working you know within football canadian football for many years have many great contacts what first of all what was your reaction when you heard Naylor's report on the cfl xfl talks and uh, where are we at now a few weeks removed from that what are you hearing
0: Well, you know, Andrew spoke to someone last night, one of my sources, and not to go into too much detail because of what the crux of what he told me, but essentially to give that diehard CFL fan that will watch your show or who follow you from from Winnipeg and beyond, it is a situation where you have to understand that the CFL has to get themselves out of red ink towards the black ink of business. And in the case that we're in right now, Going towards these next three to six months of CFL talks with with the XFL, there could be a situation where it will not appease the the diehard, passionate CFL guys out there that love three-down football with Canadian content involved in that football style of play.
1: Yeah, the um, I mean, it's big decisions. And, and listen, it comes down to one thing, Mo. And, and my first reaction when I heard this news that you know they were going down this road and they were having these talks is that this must be condition critical for the Canadian Football League. I mean, this is not the first choice, the second choice, the third choice. But over the course of the pandemic, I think most of those things have been exhausted. They went to the government. They looked for a white knight. They didn't play last year. And as of right now, there's still major questions, especially in your market, in Toronto, in Vancouver, the three biggest markets in the Canadian Football League of even the will to field a team this season because of what's going on. And that has sort of driven us, I guess, to this, um, in some ways, outside the box. And to some people, a calamitous option of abandoning many of the things that have made the CFL great for so long.
0: No question, Andrew. And when you look at the big three, right, Van, Toronto, Montreal, there are a lot of issues, right. And I've always told, I've always told you and other people across Canada, when you look at Winnipeg, Sask, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, and Hamilton, those are CFL cities. When it comes to Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, they're cities with CFL teams, right. So, you get my point on that. On yeah, that absolutely,
1: absolutely. Right? absolutely. So, and, so, and I and think it's accurate.
0: Yeah, and, and the reality is, in a, in a market like Montreal, and as, you know, look, you're a big NFL guy, I'm a big NFL guy, I pose this question to many people out there with young kids who are our age group, more or less. I've said, guys, if you had a chance to watch a Cowboy-Eagle game on a Sunday afternoon or Alouette's Cats at Molsa Stadium, what would you do? I'm staying home to watch the NFL game and probably flip in between commercials towards that CFL game. And that's where there is that big chasm of where the fan base interest in this city in particular for Montreal, for example, where they got to sort of connect and get that younger demographic to buy into the CFL game. It's a great sport. Andrew, you and I both like oh. it. A lot of people like it, but the reality is in a market like Montreal that it is, they're not, I'm not saying they're not narrow minded, but they're more prone to watching NFL on a Sunday afternoon than a CFL game that might be popping up from well, one. For to four sure. O'clock.
1: And you know, I'll give the bombers a lot of credit. I mean, for many years there was this CFL versus NFL. And you know, we're not doing anything to avoid the NFL. In fact, we're going to play in those games. And it really forced fans to, to choose. I mean, I was always so bent out of shape. Every year, the banjo bowl, the biggest game, was often at the exact same time of NFL opening weekend. Then everyone's got their fantasy teams and their teams playing, and it just didn't make sense. And you know, I'm not sure whether this is Wade Miller or it was a league thing, but they figured it out. Hmm, maybe we should move this game to Saturday. Maybe more people <laughs> could come in from sure. Saskatchewan as opposed to having a Sunday game and then having to get back for work the next day. And that honestly was the catalyst of really creating a much bigger event. Now, if you could only do those in, in some other places. But here's what intrigues me about, about this potential CFL XFL uh, bit. I've often thought that the schedule should be pushed up much earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, We talk about going to Games. How many people really want to sit outside in Winnipeg or Edmonton or Regina in the first week of November for a regular season game before we even get to playoffs? Um, I think that there's a hunger to get these games in earlier. And then when we look at the big picture, Mo. Yeah, where this entire industry is going. Uh, if you ignore the developments on the sports betting side of things, you are missing maybe the biggest opportunity right now for pro sports. And if the CFL alone, or the CFL with the XFL, whatever this league is, essentially starts up, you know, a month or two after the Super Bowl ends and finishes closer to the beginning of the NFL season. I think you're because football is by far the number one betting sport. If you have yeah. TV, if you have TV and you know, games and markets of people with interest in them, um, there will be a a, 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 a lot of money coming in on those games. And I think that sort of rising tide will fo- float the boats of everyone in there. Um, but again, For CFL traditionalists, the thought of moving that and even considering things, I totally understand, is distasteful in a lot of ways. The unfortunate thing is I'm not sure they have many other ways to turn to right now. And listen, would I prefer it to be the way it is? Absolutely. But if you're telling me no football or some of these things that have been flown out, I'll take – The new look, CFL, XFL, whatever you want to call it, because I still want to go to games and have fun and watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with whoever they're playing, even if it's not just the eight Canadian franchises right now.
0: So I'll give you the example, Andrew. I spoke to a CFL personnel guy probably two, three weeks ago when it first came out by XFL, CFL. He told me that, put it this way, Mo, for the CFL owners who are on board for this project to go through, the idea to have, say, Toronto, Montreal, for example, against uh, L.A. or Dallas on a Saturday afternoon on ESPN or Fox is appealing to them because they feel like that is going to a different demographic of fan base in the States that will watch the game and buy into the product and say, you know what, I like what I'm seeing right now from this melange of the CFL and XFL. And again, we look at Redbird, one of the biggest backers behind the rock for this whole project. Let's not forget, Redbird just bought into Liverpool FC and Fenway Sports Group, right? LeBron James is a part of Fenway Sports Group now with his shares being bought by Fenway to now become an ultimate owner for the whole process. If by chance they say, hey, LeBron, do you mind wearing a a, a tie cat hat on Instagram or on on TikTok, whatever it is? That alone, Andrew, for the CFL perspective, would generate a huge amount of interest because what is LeBron wearing on his head right now? That's a Hamilton tie cat hat. Let me go buy that from the CFL.ca shop and now wear that hat because LeBron's made it cool to wear hat gear uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, you could do a lot worse than having guys like uh, LeBron and particularly Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, uh, being <laughs> uh, being a part of it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I, I'm fascinated by where this goes. I mean, at the end of the day, I want football this year. I want football in future years. Um, and... You know, begrudgingly, I think if this is a, a direction that they have to go, I'm with it. And I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, the XFL is folded twice." I mean, listen, 20 years ago it was Vince McMahon. It was, um, you know, as it was much Monday Night was, Raw and football. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it was a gong show. But this past incarnation, I, I I don't think we can possibly put it in the same kind. I watched a lot of the football. I thought it was good. You saw in some of the markets, Seattle, St. Louis in particular, D.C., they were developing some solid fan bases. Um, And I thought there was real potential for it going forward. And then, you know, as a fledgling league, it got taken. It was the first casualty of the pandemic. So um, I'm not really as down on it as an entity as others are. And then we've talked about some of the people that are in. But listen, we'll we'll get, we'll revisit this in a few weeks, Mo, as more information comes about. Got to ask you about the Montreal Canadiens as the Jets head to, uh, for a couple there in, uh, in your city right now. Carey Price. And Brendan Gallagher, two pretty significant players that uh, look to be out of the lineup for the next little while.
0: Yeah, it looked big news for the Habs, right, that with Jake Allen now going to be the starting goaltender for at least for the present moment going towards the weekend games with Toronto and the back to back against Winnipeg. And there's the big debate now, bigger loss. Is it Carey Price or Brendan Gallagher? I think they're both equal in value, what they bring to the team. And I think from the perspective of where the Habs are right now, Andrew, with Carey Price, he's had a very up-and-down season, very unpredictable where he's played great at times, but then he looked like... Uh, you know, Red Light Andre Rasico, the former Habs goalie from the early '90s, right? So, so with Jake Allen, though, what he's brought, he's brought a steady influence of success, which has been a rare form for backup goalies uh, during Price's time. And I think Habs fans are quite confident that he can, you know, take the, the reins of the ship and direct it towards a playoff spot. The question for Brendan Gallagher, I know you brought the point with him being out maybe upwards of six weeks. The best case scenario that's been mentioned here today is that maybe he comes back in three weeks. But look. You mentioned about Calgary and how they're pretty much going to be a, not going to playoffs. It's over. it's over for them. The Habs have some runway to work with here. There, there isn't a pressure to bring back Gallagher in three weeks. They can wait at the end of April going towards May where they'll have a bunch of games to finish off before playoff uh, hockey begins that Gallagher can get back into playoff shape. The question that comes up from Mark Bergevin now is this. Monday is the trade deadline. Will, will he go out there to acquire some more depth for the back end of the defense, which looks very lethargic and slow at times here? Or will he call up? And people in in, in Habstown here, Andrew, are praying to the hockey gods that Cole Caulfield gets the call up hmm. and scores 25 million goals before the year ends. And he becomes the next, next Maurice Richard for the next 10 to 15 years as a hab player.
1: Mo Khan's with us from Montreal. Mo what's the, the, I mean the, the, the Montreal media and the fans are always going nuts about something there. Trade deadlines coming <laughs> up on, on Monday. Um, is there expectations that Bergevin does something or have the moves sort of been made? How much wiggle room and what do the people want? Uh, if they want anything on Monday.
0: Well, if, if the half bands were GMs, they'd bring in Taylor Hall, home and, and everyone else, right? Like, all the, like, if you go to Frank Sarely's top 10, right? <laughs> They're all legs, coming all to, guys, Montreal. <laughs> they all come to Montreal. They're uh, all coming to Montreal by Friday into Saturday morning, right? But the reality is, Mark Bridger brought in Eric Stahl because he realized he had a weakness down the spine of the forwards, right? Yasperi Kakinemi, Nick Suzuki have been very up and down this year. Jake Evans, who's a fourth line center, really has doesn't have the Eric Stahl oomph, but he but Eric Stahl brings that cup experience. And in the most important part about his game is that he can score goals. And we saw that earlier this week. And look for Philip Deneau, he's been not so great. And we talked about the contract situation with him, what he's gonna do. So he brought in Eric Stahl. The question that remains for this team moving towards Monday. Does he address the left side of the defense here to get himself a left-handed shot that's mobile? Because you look at Brett Kulak, same thing. He's been cement feet at times here, but he's had his moments of greatness at times. But the thing is, for this team to move forward here, they know that Jeff Petrie is their ultimate number one guy. Shea Weber has taken a step back this year, and you can see it in how he's been on the ice so far this year with a truncated schedule. So Monday will be fascinating, but again, this team's up against the salary cap. So to use a popular term, salary cap gymnastics, can Mark Bergman somehow navigate through the jungle and get himself some more depth to work with? If he does... I think the Habs will definitely be in the playoffs, but the question is, will they all click and, and mesh together at the right time to make a run that's going to be determined in about eight weeks from now?
1: I mean, let's just say, I mean, I think we all agree, the Habs, we know the playoff teams, the Habs will be a playoff team. If the Habs make the playoffs and bounce out in the first round of the playoffs, how will this season be viewed by Habs Nation?
0: Disaster. It will be it'll be an atomic disaster because – we go back, Andrew, to the, to the uh, summer fling of hockey that we enjoyed, right? Fans were up and saying, oh my God, yes, Barry Cockney, Nick Suzuki have been founded. They, they're now the next great foundation pieces for this franchise. Well, they got to slow starts, right? Mark Bergeron brought in Toffoli. He brought in Edmondson. He brought in Josh Anderson, Jake Allen. He brought in some names. But now we go into the season, they get off to a 7-2-1 start. People were talking about Stanley Cup parade down St. Catherine, and they fumble their way with the Jets and stuff. The thing is now, if they make it to the playoffs, which we believe they will, if they get crushed in four or five, four or five games, I don't see Mark Bergeron being the GM of this team come May 30th because it would be an embarrassment for him. But if they make a run where they go maybe two rounds and they play two tough game, rounds of hockey – round will be back, but the reality is right now, Carey Price, Shea Weber, and even Jeff Petrie, to an extent, are on the back nine of their careers, along with Corey Perry and Eric Stahl. So this is win-now mode for the team, and if they can get a seam of success – all bets are off that this team can go as far as Carey Price can take him if he's still the so-called best goalie in the North Division.
1: Hey, I, I know there's not going to be fans in the building, but um, what would a Leafs-Habs series do just to the atmosphere
0: around sports
1: fans uh, during a very difficult time in both provinces? Yeah,
0: So let's go back to 05-06, right, the year after the lockout. When the NHL did adopt that back-to-back, you play in the same-city format. So Toronto played Montreal in late March of 2006 on a Thursday-Saturday. At the time, the Leafs were terrible, weren't going to the playoffs. The Habs were going to the playoffs. That atmosphere for that three-day window was like a Super Bowl week in Montreal, Andrew. So this takes that three-day window, and let's multiply it by 10 days at minimum for a seven-game series, right? that will be fun to watch. This is the best chance to finally see it happen. Could it happen? It very well could be the first round matchup that we see in middle of May here Andrew, but again, for this Montreal team, they probably match up better with Toronto and Edmonton and not Winnipeg who have Done circles against the Habs uh, during their games so far this season.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because the Habs play such an aggressive style. They're sticks. They're like, they're an annoying team to play, um, (laughs) certainly from the Jets side of things, um, you know, especially these last couple games. But the one thing that the Habs don't have that, you know, you have in these other three teams is that, you know, elite talent, especially down the middle. Um, But again, you know, we've seen Carey Price get uh, things done before, and we've seen the Habs get magic going on in the uh, in the you know in the spring. So um, all I know is that it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we think we know who the four teams are. We'll see how it shakes down, and I'll tell you what: if we get a jets Hab series, I know there'll be a lot of people around here that'll be excited for it, and I know we'll be talking with you soon. But Mo, um, thanks so much for doing this. Always. Enjoy these games going forward. Appreciate you talking to CFL with us, and we'll look forward to doing this uh, with you real soon.
0: Pleasure is mine, Andrew. And again, for the CFL fans out there, just brace yourselves because these next three to six months will be uncomfortable times of what the direction will be for the CFL.
1: Yeah, we're certainly feeling it right now. Give Mo a follow on Twitter, folks, at MoCon19. Mo, be well, my friend. We'll do this again soon. Always, Matt. Have a great week. Great stuff. There's MoCon with us here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Getting a ton of attraction here in the chat. Um, on this uh, on the topic, going back to the Canadian Football League and what the future of it is. Um, you know, Gilbert Marion, keep it Canadian, been along around longer than the NFL. Listen, dude, that's what everyone would love to see. Um, unfortunately, though, um, it it sounds I mean, you know it's not like they're being completely transparent with all the uh, with all the financials um, from the privately owned teams. But from everyone that's been investigating this, it's ugly. It's not good. And, you know, if you have teams that don't even want to play, that is really, really concerning. And again, this is for a league that did not play last year. Um, Darcy Cullen, I feel Fordown would attract a broader fan base, especially down south, and be a better business model for the league. Gary Madeira says the CFL has to adapt if they want to continue to grow. It's a simple fact the league will never survive with the things the way they were going um that listen that that's just a fact um you talk to anyone that has been you know in on the canadian football league and following it closely or involved in the inside i mean the bombers have actually done an incredible turnaround over the last few years and have been profitable um but we saw what this past season did to the bombers if the bombers are losing seven million dollars what's bc losing what's toronto losing I mean, what's happening in Montreal? It's ugly, folks. It's ugly. And, you know, Randy Ambrosi, I believe to his credit, is exhausting every possible option to try to both play this season and maintain football here in Canada. But I also understand how, you know, honestly distasteful it is to a lot of people to think that, you know, we may lose so many things that's made over a century of CFL football uh, what it is. Jeff Feinberg is going to come up and join us in a couple minutes. We will get to our final picks for the Masters. Uh, of course, the Masters and all of our golf talk here brought to you by Breezy Ben. Find out more in Winnipeg's premier golf private golf course at Breezy. They're actually full right now. but They do have a membership waiting list, and it sounds like the uh, – Guild course is going to be opening up this weekend. And a shout out to Pitt Turan and the Grang at Aikens Lake as well. If you're looking for a great trip in the province this summer with our travel restrictions as they are, why don't you think about a world-class fishing trip not too far from Winnipeg? Find out more at akenslake.com. Um, we've got some more. Um, here we are. Gilbert Marion, pre-COVID CFL was doing reasonably well. Well, give it all up. Well, here here they were. The Bombers won the Grey Cup. They were going to make some money. It was great. It wasn't the case in the rest of the league. And unfortunately, like if it was just about Winnipeg, things would be going fine. I mean, this is a very healthy franchise. And even a place like Saskatchewan, which has had some real financial troubles, Edmonton, these community owned teams. Yeah. Um, it's the others that are far more concerning and you know, you need to have member teams and listen, this league needs an influx of money. Um, The government wasn't going to do it. And that I think is why they've gone down, gone down this road. Um, Let's see here. Darcy Cullen. uh, Absolutely. Yes. On the time clock, NFL games are such snoozers, 15 plays every quarter. Um, And uh, Gary says, I'm not saying to give everything up, just have to adapt to what the market wants. Um, the market disagrees. Way more players than sports. It's a great back and forth. Thanks to everyone that's uh, hammering those comments in the chat. And while you're doing it, make sure to give us a thumbs up. Um, We're going to have Feinberg joining us in just a few minutes. And I can't wait to get his final picks for you. Uh, We'll do that right away. I'm just going to send him a message. Ready, and while we do that, we'll uh, take a quick look at the uh, odds for CoolBet.com. You know, this is a, a nice little primer. And by the way, if you missed it, go to my Twitter, at Hustlerama. We have a, uh, did a Masters betting preview today with uh, Pat Gregoire of CoolBet. It was a lot of fun. We went for about 50 minutes kind of going over some of our best bets, some of the picks, some of the odds we like uh, like the best. And I'm looking right now. Uh, they've got all the matchups set up for next week. Um, and we've already seen some movement on the lines today. Dustin Johnson right now is your master's favorite. He's at nine to one. And Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas all at 12 to one. Jordan Spieth bounced back a little bit. He's at 14 to one. And then you've got a group, Rory McIlroy at 20, Pat Cantlay at 22, Xander Shoffley 25, And Brooks Koepka was at twenty five. He is now at twenty seven. Colin Morikawa twenty nine. Vic Hovland thirty four. And then the only other players under forty to one. My guy Tony Finau, Daniel Berger, and Patrick Reed all thirty nine to one. All right. Hope. Oh, let's. uh, I think we've got Feinberg ready to go. I just can't see him in here. Uh, Remus, uh, are we good to go with uh, with Jeff? Oh, okay. Sounds good. We'll let me know as soon as he is ready to go, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get him in there. Um, the one guy that I talked about quite extensively with Pat today on the cool Bet show was Bubba Watson. And you know, when talking about the Masters and when you're making your picks, there's a couple things: course history, experience at Augusta, it really does matter. Current form is the other one, and and Bubba's got two green jackets. And Bubba's such a unique individual kind of between the ears um, that you never know uh, what you might get out of Bubba. But the bottom line is he's got some pretty good memories of Augusta National. If he goes in and gets off a good start, I think he might be. And I just saw Bubba tweet it out. He's got some absolutely sick Nike Air Jordan Masters golf shoes. So he'll look good. He'll feel good. And hopefully he'll play well because we was originally thinking about him at 79 to one. That number is now 99 to one. So we spent some time talking about Bubba earlier as well. And the other guy that sort of stands out to me, just surprised that his number is as high as it is. It is another former masters champion. And that's when Sergio Garcia and Garcia is at 64 to one. He's won on tour this year. He played great in the match play going forward. He won just recently on the Texas swing. So I'm quite interested as to what Sergio will have for us coming up, and I think there's some good value on surge at 64-1. to 1. Um, So as I said, we'll look forward to getting Jeff on in just a minute. Um, while we're waiting for that, let's get to the uh, lines. Early game today in the National Hockey League, by the way. Edmonton is at Ottawa, and that game is going to start at 4 o'clock our time. Yes, with the Sens playing again tomorrow, um, I believe they've got back-to-back games. They're you know moved the game up a little bit. Edmonton heavy favorite. They're seven and zero, I believe, this year against the Ottawa Senators. Minus one ninety-six on the money line. Ottawa a plus one sixty-five home dog. Um, the Montreal Canadiens plus one thirty-two underdogs taking on those Toronto Maple Leafs minus one fifty-six. Other games tonight in the league. Colorado is a heavy favorite at Minnesota. At minus 204, we've got the Vegas Golden Knights at St. Louis after crushing them, what, 6-1 to on Tuesday night or Monday night? Minus 156 for Vegas, plus 132 for St. Louis. Other games tonight, Arizona at L.A., Jersey at Buffalo, Florida at Carolina as well. Oh, the Jersey, Buffalo, Florida, Carolina. Now we're getting into tomorrow's action uh, because we've also got the Jets right now already listed. Guess what? Underdogs again. We've been used to this. Plus one thirteen on the money line right now against the Montreal Canadiens at minus one thirty-three. Yeah. Well, what we're doing is let's bring Michael Remus back in and hopefully we can get Feinberg loaded up and get some of his picks before we're done. Um for sure. Give Jeff a follow at G Feinberg17. He's had a ton of content coming out. All week long, and hopefully we'll get this done uh, beforehand. Remo, uh, chat's been popping today. Lots of people talking about uh, the CFL topics we talked about with uh, with Mo Kahn.
2: Yeah, people got a lot of opinions on that. I want to give a special shout out to Sk- Stan Scott-Huss, fifty dollar super chat. So thank you so wow. much. Yeah, thank you, Stan. That is an uh, incredible generosity from Stan. So that will definitely uh, go help uh, help a lot of our startup costs. So appreciate uh, your support. Uh, so if you want to do a super chat, it's that uh, dollar sign button below the chat. So we've got a couple. That's, that's,
1: that's the all-time greatest. Stan, uh, blown away by your generosity. Thank you so much for doing it and your support of uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. We are ready to go with Jeff Feinberg. Oh, he's looking good, too. He's got the DraftKings lineups done. He's got the DK swag on ready to go. It's Masters week, buddy. What, Rimo, uh, <laughs> can you get uh, get Feinberg in here and uh we will be all ready to go with our final little run of uh, of Masters talk before tomorrow morning. And, you know, I've always said on this program how angry it makes me that you can't get a lot of it on TV. But trust me, get the Masters app. Uh, it will blow your mind from what I'm hearing so far. Jeff Feinberg is here looking like he's ready for TF. How are you doing, pal?
4: I'm ready to build lineups. I don't have them built yet. just have all my spots reserved, Has. <laughs> but... It's gonna be. Yeah, I don't know. I've Got to find the time because I want to make it special, and I want to like take care of myself before I got to build them. So I'm in like the right space to build them. Don't want to build them on edge. I don't like building them too early because I don't like to tinker. I don't like to tinker. I'm not a tinker. It, it always it always above. ends
1: up hurting you at the end when you take the one guy out late and put the other guy. Yeah, it's that's, always the wrong decision.
4: Yeah, I'd rather just. Yeah, I don't. Second guessing myself would be the worst. The worst fate it'd be like if you're the new york jets and three quarterbacks are gonna go after you and now you gotta do it again
1: uh let's get to it we were kind of going over some of the odds while we were getting you on um top of the card um djs at nine to one just looking on cool bet right now dead heat really with bryson dechambeau justin thomas um as well uh Jordan Spees actually just dropped down to uh, to 12 to 1 but John Rom's the other guy um all the other guys it's kind of funny we're not talking about Rory McIlroy in that group for the first time in a long time. We've got the big 5. Who are you looking at amongst that
4: group? Yeah, you know what? Good for you, Huss. Uh, you're right. I've been calling them a big 6. We got like big 6 essentially uh under 20 but over at Coolbet, Rory's pushed to 20 so congratulations I guess to them. But yeah, we got like five guys under 15 15- To one, to win the Masters. Uh, From that group, the one that I bet, it was not an easy decision. I have gone with Bryson DeChambeau. I've gone with Bryson. I feel like, compared to last year, I feel like he's more under the radar to a certain extent. He's not the story. And, well, I believe he's in better form this time around. His irons, his last two events, gained three strokes, gained four strokes with his irons in his last two-stroke play events. Of the Super Elites, it's funny, now at the Masters, Jordan is officially a Super Elite. Uh, That does seem fair. Even I can't argue that because he checks every box like seven times. Bryson, statistically, is the best putter. He hasn't putted well historically at the Masters, though. Um but I don't think there'll be like a buildup to him putting well at the masters. I feel like he'll just win the masters when he puts well at the masters. And I believe he's capable of doing that.
1: Hey, what about the green reading book thing? I mean, I'm, I have never read a green book. Um, I've you know seen a couple of guys hold them. I know pros use them. They're not available does that impact a guy like Bryson more than others because of just the you know incredible preparation he does and the amount of information he takes into account on every shot he makes
4: uh yeah to a certain extent but I feel like he's adapted just fine for for the most part uh you know the other guys don't have them uh I still you know trust Bryson on the greens be it the masters or somewhere or anywhere else so no it's not a big concern. For me, I I mean, it's like splitting hairs. Like if Justin Thomas wins – I'm sorry. If Justin Thomas putts, he's going to win. But of those like big five, he is statistically, and your eyeballs know it, he's the worst putter. But there's no middle ground with Justin. When he putts, he wins. Well, and
1: and Thomas is my pick of those five guys. I've been on him, and I – you know it you know it's normal going a troublesome year for him at times. he's went through some personal adversity, lost his grandfather but he came back and won the players and when it comes to the iron game, there are few peers in the game and that's a world you know hey, I, like I said to Pat Gregoire earlier today, you know the putting is not as big of an issue if you're sticking it to three feet. And nope. that's something, that, that's something nope. that Justin Thomas can do. Not an issue. Um, but let me ask you about Spieth. Um, You were hilarious, and I've been quoting you throughout the show uh, this week that Jordan Spieth poured a can of gasoline on the Masters with his win. Um, yeah. God knows you and Pat Mayo and Tim. We've been talking about Spieth for the last few years. It has been sort of stunning the way he fell Um what do you make of Jordan Spieth right now the day before tee off at Augusta where he has a closet with a green jacket in it
4: Okay I will just say I'm th- I'm relieved I never made like the bet that would pretty much hand over my herbert collection for a few hundred dollars <laughs> if Spieth won the Masters even the week of numbers that I was like threatening to take to book myself I don't want any part of them anymore, Hustler. Like, I'm scared. I'm certain he's going to be in it Sunday. As you know, I predicted when it was sunny and shiny that a storm was coming. And it came and it lasted f- so much longer than even I anticipated that I, even I didn't want to take credit anymore. That we're so, like, let's just get this storm out of here. And I enjoyed last weekend. I enjoyed seeing Jordan win. It was fun. But if he starts winning like the Masters, he's gonna annoy <laughs> me again real quick. It's gonna annoy me again real quick, but he's doing everything. I mean, his Tita Green game seems outstanding. His driver, I mean, on that entire pretty much all of Sunday, his driver didn't let him down one time. And when's the last time that's happened? <laughs> it, you know, and it was nice to see. It was it was nice to see in the sense that. This didn't, like, come out of nowhere where you could even dismiss it as, like, a hot week. Since Torrey Pines, he has been on top of everything. And you could debate the field. You could throw stones in the field he beat. And maybe I would if he wasn't playing so great in that lead-up to beating that field. But he was. And now we're at the Masters where you feel like he would have played well even without this form. So, but uh, it's going to be, yeah, he's probably going to be a part of it. Would I want to bet him at the same or worse number than of Jordan, then a uh, sorry, then a Justin, then a, then a Bryson, then a ROM. No, I wouldn't, but feels like he's going to be a part of it now. And yeah.
3: No, he,
1: uh, it's hard to imagine him not being in, in the mix in the storylines on the weekend, considering the way he's playing. Um, Rory at 20 to one. If you had told me that at any point, since we've been talking golf for the last six, seven years, Mm. I would have said that's an auto bet going hard on it. I'm not there. Um, What are your thoughts about Rory and his game right now heading into Augusta?
4: Okay. There are the people that seem to be in on Rory, that the number is hit. I would say, can the books, can you give me that number next year? Can you (laughs) give me that number in a year from now? Like I'll make a commitment to bet that you from you in a year from now. Um, He's working with Pete Cowan, who does wonders. People think, you know, maybe he simplified it so much at this point where he can catch his lightning in a bottle. Unfortunately, um, his lead in form isn't very good. And there have been some outliers while we're at the Masters as to who's going to win the Masters. But even the guys that win that you weren't expecting were going to win all check the boxes when it came to the lead in the lead in form. You know, it certainly did. Um, Sergio did. Reed did. Uh, I'm just not there with with Rory. I don't trust his irons at the moment. I don't trust his irons and I don't trust his putter. I, I don't that, trust his head bad. right yeah. now. Pardon?
1: I don't trust what's between his ears right now. I mean, he has just, listen, I love Rory, but it's been shocking to see where he has been. Uh, And and some of the the best thing about Rory is how honest he is. Um, And, you know, he gives some of the best interviews in sports, and he was pretty frank that, you know, he's changed a bunch of things. He was trying to chase Bryson and pretty much admitted that it wasn't working.
4: Yeah, and I don't think that he is the struggle's, are as bad as people are making them out to be. He's still at some late tea times, you know, this season on a Sunday. Uh, like Rory does get a lot of late tea time Sundays and winning is hard. But in the past, Haas, like, how do I put this? He might, he would just, what am I? He would just stick it. Like it would be a con, he might miss a putt. And then you would be afraid. Oh, don't worry. Like he's going to, stick one to three feet in these next couple holes. We'll get it right back. Now he's like 110 yards in, and it's like to 30 feet. That's like what is starting to happen. It's so weird. And I just – I'd be great. The career grand slam, he's so far off the radar. There's like five other stories ahead of him that you can make for each one of them. He's got his own. Um, But I'm not – I don't think – he's going to find it here. I don't think you can find it here.
1: Hey, let's move to the, the 20. And you know what? We've talked a lot about this really since the restart we've seen, uh, and had a lot of success betting guys in between 25 to 40 to one to win events. Um, there's a few guys that are very intriguing to me. Brooks Kepka, who, you know, was 25. Now I see him at 27. It was 29 yeah. earlier this week is a guy that I am on, for Brooks. Listen, I'll be honest. I got suckered by his tweets on the weekend. I mean, when Brooks Kepka drops the Michael Jordan, um, drops the Michael Jordan meme and I took it personally, that gets me fired up. Yeah. But he's right beside another guy, Xander Shoffley, and I've I i do not know whether I just haven't been, you know, consuming as much content as I've had, but this is one guy of all these top players who, you know, for a long time, people thought Xander is going to be a guy. He's going to win majors. He's going to do it. Been very quiet on the Xander front, and yet his numbers pretty much stayed at 25. Brooks and Xander,
4: who you got? Um, To win, I've got Brooks Kepka. But if you're asking me, like, what's probably a safer top five bet? Yeah, it's probably Xander Shoffley, if you're asking me who I got. Now, Xander, I'm not there. I would probably eat eat a couple points and play Cantley at like 22 just because I'm – Like a sucker for that. I mean, they're both total package players that rarely feel like they're putting for par, Hus. And you see the shots from, I mean, if you're reading reports last week, whether it was Westwood there early on a scouting trip saying, oh, it's playing firm, it's playing fast. And then if you got to watch the lady amateurs play on the weekend, put on a fun show, you saw for your own eyes, like, whoa, it's playing pretty firm for these ladies. Um, Like, I don't think Dustin could hold that ball there. Like with, you know, like you just saw what was happening. And then we saw the reports this week, firm, fast, like hard course. And I don't know whether they're banking on rain or they just want it so firm and fast because guys are making the jokes. You see, the fairways are Augusta green, but the greens are purple. Like there's elements of purple on these things. And that makes you wonder like do I should I just ignore all the chalk and maybe even this tier is too chalky. But but Brooks Kepka back to this subject if that pony's running I'm going to be there at these numbers north of 25 to 1. You could take this what I'm about to say and convince yourself you should bet Rory McIlroy. But I'm betting the ceiling here. I'm betting Brooks Kepka um, to win the golf tournament, I'm not betting in each way. I'm not betting top five. If he finishes 70th, it's literally the exact same as him finishing third. But I think his chance of being number one are as good as any outside of like four players. Hey, you
1: dropped some intel uh, about Kepka of uh, you know doing a little Big J Journal work. Um, you know, yeah. getting some sources. Uh, what <laughs> fill our listeners in on uh, what you got on Brooks?
4: I mean, listen, I made the bet over at Cool Bet on, on the weekend. There was the 32 to 1. It just got me. Me and my boys, we made like a big team bet. So we'll have a big, fun COVID team party, I guess, if Brooks wins. But I'd gotten word that Brooks was playing there. He didn't wasn't from someone on the grounds at Augusta that there were no signs of a limp and some practice on the weekend with uh, Victor Hovland. And then somebody I know who was friends with somebody in his actual camp at the grounds in Augusta, uh, you know, even he had to send some texts where you first have to, like, glad hand, like, the guy, like, how's the family? How's everything going? And then you get, like, right to the business. So, like, how's Brooks? <laughs> and the exact quote back, Huss, I think I sent it to you, was, this pony is ready to run hard. <laughs> so that's all, like, you need to know about Brooks Koepka. It's like Ricky Bobby, first or last, but, man, you trust him. He's got that great Augusta Augusta track record.
1: Uh, listen, this is, um, if the pony's ready to run, he can uh, he can hit the tape first, and we certainly have seen it in the past. Who are some of your longer shots that are uh, getting a touch from uh, Team Feinberg?
4: Yeah, and, and Huss, you got to say, you said earlier, the, the numbers out of COVID, this was the sweet spot range. This is also the sweet spot range for that first-time major champion, that first-time Masters champion. Yeah, Dustin and Tiger were chalk. Chalk can happen here, and it might happen again. But Sergio, Reed, Bubba, Willett, like a ton of guys in that 40 to 80 to 1 range. Look at last year's majors outside of Dustin. Bryson brings home 28 to 30 to 1 at the U.S. Open. Morikawa brings home 35, 40 to 1. This is the range. This is the range, and for me, it's Daniel Berger. I know it's like just annoying to hear like I said, like when it comes to the masters, there are boxes that need to be checked. Like it's silly, but true. U S opens, PGA championships, British opens. We don't go back there every year. Like there isn't like this consistent, like hard information we could work on in determining the winners. Well, for me, burger checks, absolutely every single box ever since we've come back to play. There's never been a moment where he wasn't a top 10 golfer. Like, forget world ranking. I mean, like, actually, what your eyeballs are showing you. And I trust him if he's in the heat of it on a Sunday versus one of those super dragons, big boys, super elites, whatever you want to call them. I trust him. Like, I trust him so much in, like, with like almost like a Patrick Reed type confidence that he wants to own that moment. So I'm all about Burger, whether it be the lead in form, whether it be a nice run here at the Masters. Um, In the past, whether it be his ability to be a dominant greens and regulation player and a confident putter like he checks everything and then I'm, you know, it's fun to be a part of I'm trying to find that guy who isn't priced like a multi major champion and to me it is Daniel Berger because guess what I think he's as good as Shoffley and Cantley. Like, that's how that's what I believe. I understand why he's not priced like them, but I see them. If you had me rank all these guys, he would be there, like, with them in their tier.
1: Well, and to be honest, if you were just looking at their performances in PGA Tour events since the restart, I would argue that Berger is clearly ahead of both of those guys.
4: You you could totally make that case, also. You could totally make that case. As well. Hey,
1: let me ask you about uh, a couple of guys that you mentioned that I have sort of pegged as long shots, um, just really from a value perspective. But also, I mean, you want to have current form. Course history is huge. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys that have done it once do it again. Bubba Watson is one of those guys. Yeah. I got in Bubba earlier this week at 79 to 1. Then I saw he'd gone to 99
4: yeah, to I one. Too, I might have to <laughs> touched
1: yeah. on that. I see it's now backed up a little bit to <laughs> 89 to one, but Bubba Watson at 90 to one and Sergio Garcia at 65. Sergio just won in Texas. Why are these numbers as high as they are?
4: Okay. I, I really do love Sergio this week. Like, and the 64 to one that you're seeing is such a great number for the form that Sergio has right now. Um, it's incredible. The only debt like the only negative about Sergio was really how horrible he's been in major championship golf since winning the masters. But he seems like he's in a great place at the moment. So I got a lot of belief. there's a there's like a rung of past champions here. If these greens are purple, like you almost wish you didn't bet any chalk because this thing is gonna be so wide open from your Bubba Watson playhouse to even Adam Scott, who was starting to really find that driver in his last couple uh, starts, a guy that's going to be laughed at when you say that he can win. But don't ignore Louis Eustace in at 7,500 on DraftKings. He is not going to withdraw. And he hasn't finished outside of like T30 in his five events this year. And he loves it here. And he's going to do exactly what you need the guy you're paying $7,500 to do on DraftKings and you know what he's doing right now he is putting he's gaining strokes with his putter in his last events on top of his uh on top of the great like ball striking that's normally there Jason Day my reports on him from Augusta is he hasn't left the putting green if he'd have putted there he would have won uh was it I I the the maybe it was the players he was like First or second in stroke, he gained over 10 strokes tee to green at the players. Could not buy a putt, hasn't been able to putt well if he finds it this week. So there's this whole, like, old yeller, and it's because it's the Masters. And, like, from a total placing play, guy like Matt Kuchar, he's in form. Like, he's probably going to do what Kuchar normally does at the Masters. So from DraftKings to maybe some pools, there's a lot of these older guys that – I really do like uh, maybe more so, some of the sexier, younger um, names at the moment.
1: Yeah, you know, you're know, you mentioning Cooch right now. I mean, I'm looking at cool bet 124 to 1, 12 That's... to 1 top 5, 6 to 1 top 10. I mean, you could, you could convince me to get on the Cooch train for maybe one of those play shows. Um, any other exotics that you have? Uh, we talked a little bit before. I love Corey Connors. There's a heavy piece on Connors to be top Canadian at minus 143. I'm sort of surprised that number hasn't moved. Um, you got any, uh, you got a, a, any others uh, in there, either group pairings, top 10s, top 20s that you want, or uh, do we just want to talk about how great it would be if Kevin Naugh won the Masters and DJ had to put the jacket on him?
4: <laughs> that would be amazing. That'd be amazing. Uh, a couple top twenties that I like—they're both like plus one eighty. I played like day in Fleetwood uh, for top twenties. I know it's not like a super paying prop. I am—I don't want to like have to say this, especially like on this network into you, but like I might be at least like from a DraftKings perspective as I line up build, I might be on a total Connors fade. I think he's going to be so popular, and for obvious reasons, Hus. I don't know. Yeah, but like, can he
1: beat Matt Hughes and Mike Weir?
4: Yeah, he can, but Matt Hughes is a sneaky, it could be a sneaky well, one. He I, mean, I, lost, I lost this bet in November. I made this bet. I like went in on Connor's top Canadian in November. I'm pretty sure Hughes got him. I could be wrong. I don't know. It's all a blur, even though it was that recent. I will say a guy um, also who I'm keeping an eye on big time, Matthew Wallace. His iron play has been unconscious. He led the field. He was better than Jordan. Uh, Tita Green last week could not get a putt to go. The way he's been striking the ball, if conditions are going to be tough, he's a guy to watch. And in closing here, Hus, when when Jordan set that scoring record last time, it was Danny Willett winning the next year at like minus five or minus six. They do not like what Dustin Johnson said. A new scoring record. Like I could see why the greens are purple, and they could stay They purple. Someone just set a scoring record. Last time that happened, they bit back hard, and the wind helped them. But they're gonna. They are going to do everything they can. I think because it almost feels like they're like going to throw their last punches before they decide to do ball rollbacks or other sort of big, big things. You know, you were before I came on. We're discussing the sad realities of the CFL. Well, there's probably some sad purist realities to what's got to happen here at the Masters, and if the green's got to be purple despite everything else being beautiful and manicured to perfection, uh, maybe that's what they're gonna they're gonna do. You better be on the right angles. You better be putting from underneath the hole. Or Bring you're, it. You're, you're screwed.
1: Hey, uh, quickly before we go, uh, do you have an Adarkers update? Uh, who, uh, who, who, do, who should we be nervous about after your conversations with Tim?
4: <laughs> so uh, his official pick to win is John Rahm, which is, fa- I mean, John Rahm was right there with Justin and and Bryson for me. I got nothing bad to say. I would, um, but he also picked Burger, which is sad. No. And Lee Westwood doesn't need anything holding him back. <laughs> but he's got that. So so yeah, that's that's that reality. Uh, but split in the chat. Feinberg
1: is great, has won me a few bucks. Uh, love to love to hear that. Um, you have been very busy. It is Master's Week. I'll encourage people to go check out the Pat Mayo experience and subscribe to the Mayo Media Network for the show on Monday um you what what content you have planned for the next few days you guys going to do a cut sweat show and no whatnot
4: yeah cut sweat show friday i'll try to get a better follow my twitter feed better understanding when we'll be live but masters cut sweat show and I'll be at it tonight at 10 p.m. on uh, FTNDaily.com.
1: That will be 9 p.m. Central, folks. And Yes. The, yes. If you're you. not already doing it, follow him on Twitter at GFeinberg17. Dude, a pleasure as always wrapping with you, my friend. I will uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you during the weekend. And uh, good luck. Let's uh, catch some tickets. All the best. Thanks, Haas. <laughs> oh, great stuff. There's my guy, Jeff Feinberg. So much fun talking golf with him over the years on the warm up, and great to have him with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, man, this has been a great show. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Um, Remo. You know, we started off talking about the big news of the day in and around the Winnipeg Jets, the injury to Blake Wheeler. He will not make the trip, um, you know, and, and we'll see what that means, whether, you know, he feels better and joins the team at some point. They're sort of, you know, handling this as if he's out indefinitely. Big opportunity for Jansen Harkins. Discuss the, trinkle, the uh, change up in the lines with Andrew Cott moving up and back with uh, Shifley, back with Ehlers and Connor. And uh, I imagine this story with the Wheeler injury is going to just add a little bit more going into those Ottawa games next week. Um, But it will have a bit of a different look for the first time in a while for the Winnipeg Jets going into this game tomorrow.
2: Yes, I I agree. But it's something we're going to keep an eye on as the Jets go closer to Ottawa. But this Wheeler injury, what it's going to do to the lines, are we going to see some more shuffling? It seemed like we had been settled in with minimal changes the last couple of games. So uh, I think the power play, the first power play where Wheeler's in there, um, I'm kind of not sure what, what are they going to do. Are they just going to move Kopp up there, move Perot? I mean, the power play, too, has been working well also. Um, so I think those are things we're going to be watching tomorrow as we get ready for a Jets road trip. They're heading out east, a lot of 6 p.m. starts, but they'll playing against Montreal tomorrow. Who we mentioned missing Curry Price and now missing Brandon Gallagher as well.
1: Now, um, the uh jet oil Tom Feinberg is so awesome, love it, yeah, no, he is so much fun, so much energy, and Todd fortanny 's there. What about the old man lee westwood top ten i don 't mind that. I am not on lee westwood there's been too many disappointments for you in the past, and. To be honest, it's been a revelation as to how well he has played and how close he's been to the winner's circle. Truly one of the great master stories. Wouldn't win me any money, but was would be if Lee Westwood was able to get into that winner's circle finally after so many disappointments. Uh, but I'm looking right now, Lee Westwood 64-1 to to win it. Um, six to one, a very low number for the top five, which shows that they do believe he has a good chance of contending and plus three fifty on a top 10. So, uh, not bad. If you do, if you're feeling Lee and you don't want to go all in on the, um, outright, check out those top fives and top tens. And again, coolbet.com, all the odds for going forward. Um, one other sort of a crazy story. And I'll be honest, I never remember the Blue Bombers signing receiver Travis Rudolph. Uh, he was a former star of Florida State. Um, and I don't think many people had gone to the bomber shop and got a Rudolph jersey. And that's probably a good thing uh, because he's been released today by the team. Um, what the issue was, and this is incredibly serious. He has been arrested on first-degree murder and attempted first-degree murder charges earlier. The Bombers quickly officially released Travis Rudolph. And then Darren Cameron also said that the organization was made aware of Travis Rudolph's arrest this morning, and he has subsequently been released. He was signed in December of 2019 after the Bombers won the Grey Cup. And did not play in a game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, pretty horrible story. Not that you know doesn't you know not a really issue for the Bombers, but um, you know the fact of the matter is that you know anytime you have your club linked to such a uh, horrible series of charges, it is serious, but um, certainly not a mainstay. But uh, man, just what a bizarre story to get over the wire today when it comes to the Bombers' re
2: Yeah, I saw that. Well, sorry, I got interrupted uh, at home. Uh, during during that, uh, let no- me
1: guess, Facebook Marketplace, Gigi. Uh,
2: I think my wife thought it was the doorbell rang. It was just an Amazon del- delivery. They ring the. She's like, "You expecting someone?" I'm like, "No, there's probably just they ring the doorbell and leave the package at the door." So that's that's what it was. But maybe uh, an
1: unboxing coming up.
2: Yeah, uh, do you want me to go? Should I go get it?
1: I've got, I- I've got a uh, I've got a box here. Reem. <laughs> okay, Whoa, is- what's in it? This is. Let's see. I. Uh, I, I, this is going to be a great way to finish up the uh, up the show today. I just, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Not not surprising that that was the decision made very very quickly. And who knows was whether this guy I me mean, was even going to come with us or what the story was. Uh, but oh, and another box in here. Got another box inside it. Now. This might be, this might be. Whoa! Oh, I think this is the selfie stick, Reem. Yep. Yeah, you know what? Remus has given me a lot of tips on things that I should buy as we uh, become YouTubers and internet guys. And uh, so I got. And apparently, this one has some sort of like a remote control on it. Um. So, anyways, we'll have to learn on that. But my videos, a tripod. I mean, listen, we did not, we did not cheap out on this one. This is an elite elite selfie stick i believe there is that would be this thing right here so uh anyways just the next time we head out to not autocorp or boston pizza or royal sports or dq to do one of our little promos we'll be uh we'll be set to go and it'll look even better uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah Do you know what it is? I tell you what, we're uh, getting pretty late. Why don't you save that for tomorrow? We'll do occasional unboxings. Now, I'm just going to need to buy some stuff on Amazon to uh, uh, to get us going. Uh, man, just an amazing crowd all oh, the viewers People shot, are fired up. The viewers shot up once you started opening that. How did people know? They just had a sense. Oh, my God. I think something might be going down on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Also, got an Amazon box, and Remus is getting a Facebook delivery right now. Wow! Oh man, this is uh, good stuff. Hey, listen, big show tomorrow. Uh, we're going to continue <laughs> all of our discussions, all of our discussions on the upcoming NHL trade deadline with ESPN's Greg Wyszynski. Uh, We can talk to him on some of the top ten lists that ESPN put out. And Ken Weeb's going to join us as well. We'll get the latest on the Winnipeg Jets before, of course, tomorrow's game against the Montreal Canadiens, which is a six o'clock start. Some other exciting news. We'll talk about tomorrow which i'm very much looking forward to um and then of course friday getting ready for the weekend masters round two this is uh this has been a very busy but a very fun week and uh, having wish and weber on tomorrow with a lot of hockey and a bit of golf talk should make for a great day one of the masters and game day for the winnipeg jets here on winnipeg sports talk
2: oh yeah we're leading up to the trade deadline when are we going to start seeing deals i remember the last couple years like James Dethy would be on the weekend be like, no, guys, save it. Save it for Monday. We need to have something for Trade Center. And we thought maybe we would see some early deals for the Canadian teams because of the quarantine. We haven't seen that. Uh, I think something's going to ramp up. They're starting to sit, guys. As you said, Taylor Hall uh, was a healthy scratch the other day. He's, we're expecting him to get dealt. So uh, it'll be fun talking to Wish. He's got his list on ESPN and, uh, and always uh, stuff about uh, what the U.S. teams are doing. Wow, Jet Oil Tom
1: dropped the fiver in the super chat just for the unboxing vid. You yeah. <laughs> may take collections to do that and just buy more stuff to unbox them on the program. And uh, Somebody's saying we need a new bar in the background. I will do that. Shout out to Dave Patrician though; he gave me a few nice backgrounds. This has been a good one that we've used. We may have to take the uh, we may have to take the show to Augusta tomorrow. Maybe a nice master scene in the background, like I did no. on the Cool Bet Show this morning. I don't know. We'll see it. But uh, anyways, folks, if you're with us right now, do us a favor hammer that thumbs up button Uh, the like certainly helps if you're watching it on a mobile you just have to close the chat and then hit that We do appreciate all the support and continue to uh, tell your friends, uh, let people know how they can download a podcast, how they can watch us live every day and keep on those feedback to all of our social channels. And a special thanks to everybody, Reem, that went out and took advantage of uh, Nick and Nikki's very generous offer. I think there was a lot of people hammering blizzards last night, part of our uh, friends here that join us every day
2: on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, we got a ton of uh, tweets and Facebook messages from people who went out to uh, any of their DQs. What I think I think anyone who listens to the show can like rattle them off. DQ Neverville, Saint Anne's, <laughs> DQ Northgate, Polo, Polo Park,
3: Park.
2: <laughs> Nick and Nikki. DQ. But we also have so many other great sponsors like Boston Pizza, Real Sports, uh, not Auto Corp, which now takes uh, they can buy cars Bitcoin. in Bitcoin. Hus, they can buy cars. I'm going to win.
1: I'm going to. Bubba Watson's going to win the Masters. I'm going to turn that hundred to one bet into Bitcoin. And then maybe I'll go over and buy Tesla from uh, the gang over there. Again, shout out to Breezy, Ben, Aikens Lake, all of our sponsors, Cool Bet, and all of you. Um, Remo, we'll get back after it tomorrow, 1 o'clock. It'll be a busy, compact show. Ken Weeb, Greg Wyszynski, and round one of the Masters. I cannot wait. Um,
2: what do you got going on tonight? No Jets game. What are you going to be watching? um baseball actually there's I'm all in on all in on baseball now I'm in like four fantasy leagues so I got the MLB app which is incredible uh, so I will probably watch that I think there's some hockey games on too but um, I'm I I didn't watch any baseball last year maybe because of the weird schedule but uh I'm very in. there are some uh, good hockey games Leafs Leafs Habs as well Golden Knights Blues and Oh uh, just see. There is a four o'clock Oilers-Sens game today. That's kind of nice if you're... Yeah, yeah, I touched on that this. a little
1: earlier today. Yeah, early game for that, right. a bunch of other games in the NHL. And uh, if you're wondering, um, and if you're with us live right now, seventh inning, Jays down 2-0 to the Rangers. So you can go check uh, check that out uh, as well. All right, Remo, great stuff as always. We got to get these podcasts up. Everyone to joining us today live we've had great numbers all day long thanks to everyone for yeah. joining us as i said spread the word we'll be back tomorrow maybe even unboxing something else before the end yeah. of the week we'll see if anything else arrives um if you maybe you save save your box
2: for tomorrow I might, I might. we need... gotta have one in the holster I might need what's what's in there, but I okay, I could well. be getting something tomorrow that I could be S- opening. But
1: same day delivery. I'll try and make sure we've got something for Friday. A Friday yeah. unboxing would be we're, wonderful.
2: We're we're like this close, Hus, for hockey card uh, openings too. We're we're like this close. oh my god
1: that might have that might have we might have to get the Earl of Eli involved in that and do a special
2: a special stream for it this close to Winnipeg sports talk break everyone uh,
1: everyone will chip in and we'll get a box now we're talking (laughs) now you've got me legitimately excited on that we're so close (laughs) everyone pick a team (laughs) (laughs) you got it folks not on Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, the Nick and Dicky DQ, Royal Sports, Breezy, Aikens Lake, Cool Bet, thanks to you all for joining us. Uh, pods will be up shortly. We appreciate you joining us today. Have a great night. We'll be back for tomorrow. Jets, Habs, Game Day, Greg Wasinski and the upcoming trade deadline and more right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. Bye.
4: <laughs> oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Oh!